Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, it is a Twitter Tuesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast. And that means you, the listener, are in the driver's seat for today's show. We're going to talk about what you all said you would want the Titans' final loss to be on the year if they only lost one more game. And I'll be answering all of your questions in a mailbag segment. All of that and more on a Twitter Tuesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast. Let's get it! You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Titans fans, it is a Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked On Titans podcast. So that means we have a lot to discuss topics that you either gave your answer to or questions that you gave to me. Before we get into all of that, do got to thank you guys for making the Locked On Titans podcast your first listen every day. If this is your first ever listen to the Locked On Titans podcast, make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you do stream. You're going to find the Locked On Titans podcast there and for free. Make sure that you also subscribe to the Locked On Titans YouTube channel. Smash that notification bell so you know when all of my content goes live. Follow me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans and follow the show Facebook page at Locked on Titans Pod. But with all of that being said, time to dive into a Twitter Tuesday. Before we get into that, the only portion of the show that isn't determined by you or some roster moves, the Titans cut left tackle Bobby Hart after two uninspiring performances. They got rid of defensive lineman Armani Bledsoe. They also will have the opportunity to activate Derek Roberson, the edge rusher, and with Bud Dupree and Ola Adani dealing with injuries, his activation does loom large. So those are the roster moves to know and to think about going forward. Now, the one thing that I want to start off this Twitter Tuesday with is a poll that I put out to you guys on Monday asking you if the Titans lost one more game this season who would you want that loss to be to? Now, based on the answers that I got back of the near thousand people that voted, I'm a little concerned about your guys' thought process on this one. So, the Titans right now are 8-2. and two. They have remaining games against the Houston Texans, two of them, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, just one against the Miami Dolphins, against the San Francisco 49ers, that's a primetime Thursday night football game, and then two big AFC matchups, at New England in Week 12, and at Pittsburgh in Week 15, I do believe. So two big road AFC games, a home primetime game against a struggling NFC opponent, and then four games against the bottom dwellers in the NFL. If you had to choose which of those games the Titans lost for their final loss of the year, what game would you choose? Now, of course, the Titans could lose more games than that. That absolutely could be the case. I'm not saying that's not a possibility here. But, you know, and they could win all of their remaining games as well. I think at least one, maybe two slip-ups still remains realistic. Well, you all voted 60% for the New England Patriots. That would be the last game that I would want the Titans to lose in this stretch. And let me break it down why. The New England Patriots are a good team. They are fighting. 
for a, a top seed in the AFC right now. If the Titans lose that game, that's an AFC conference loss, which hurts them in the tiebreaker. And New England is a team they could be fighting directly with for the tiebreaker. So I don't understand how New England would be that one. I mean, if the question was, which team do you think is most likely that the Titans will lose to remaining? Then yeah, I guess New England would be the answer. But that wasn't the question. The question was, which team would you want the loss to be to? So if you're watching on YouTube, throw your answers down below in the comments. Which of those teams would you want your loss to? Pittsburgh came in second at 15% for the same logic as New England. No, Pittsburgh is fighting for a playoff spot. Pittsburgh is an AFC team who you could go 1v1 against for a seed if things go bad for the Titans. Absolutely not. Those would be the last two. For me, the two top choices are the two lowest choices on the poll. San Francisco, nobody wants to lose a primetime game at home. I get it. It's right before Christmas. It would suck for the Titans to lose that game. But at the end of the day, it's an NFC game. And if the Titans win all their games, win against New England, win against Pittsburgh, win against Jacksonville, win against Houston, four AFC games, they're 9-1 and one in the AFC, there's no way they're losing the number one seed at that time. So if I had to choose, my answer would easily be San Francisco because it's the least punitive to the Titans' chances at the number one seed. NFC game. I know that it's primetime. I know you guys hate losing primetime games because it really has an impact on the national narrative. But I don't care about that. The Titans are 8-2, and two, and you got people like Keyshawn Johnson saying that they're not a real 8-2 and two team. It doesn't matter what the Titans do. They're never going to get the national respect unless they win the Super Bowl. When they do that, it'll all change. Until then, it won't. So why would I care if the national media is going to be down on the Titans if they lose a primetime game to San Francisco? They're going to be down on the Titans anyways. So for my money, San Francisco is the best answer to that question. But the second best answer is Houston in week 18 because the Titans have the number one seed wrapped up. They rest a bunch of their starters. I know me talking about resting starters, but they rest a bunch of their starters in week 18 because they have the number one seed clinched. That would be a loss that I would stomach as well. I would be totally okay with that. So for me, the last team that I want to lose to is New England, then Pittsburgh, and after that, San Francisco, and then the last game of the year against Houston are the two most acceptable answers, and those got 12% and 11% respectively. So I don't know what you guys were thinking on Twitter today, but the clear and obvious answer is the San Francisco game because it's the least punitive to the Titans' chance at the number one seed. But that is going to do it for the opening segment of our Twitter Tuesday. That's a poll that I put up on Twitter, at Tic Tac Titans. I appreciate all you guys for answering that, giving your input, even if you're a little crazy for the answers that you pick. But either way, we're going to continue the Twitter Tuesday by diving in the mailbag during the season. So busy with the content schedule. Don't get a lot of time to answer your questions in a mailbag. Just want to remind you, you can send your mailbag questions to me at Tic Tac Titans on Twitter or put them as a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, and I'll make sure to get to those. Before we do dive into the mailbag, though, got to tell you guys about Beachbound.com. In life, we're all bound for different things. With Beachbound.com vacations, you can be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound 
for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation. Or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up at the poolside bar or maybe creating my own taco flight. As long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be happy as can be. With beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you are looking for. Plus, winter is coming, folks. It's getting cold. Look, I'm wearing a hoodie. I thought about throwing on the toboggan. It's getting chilly out there. It's the perfect time to get away to a beautiful, warm, sandy beach. And you can do that at beachbound.com. So what are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. Titans fans, let's continue this Twitter Tuesday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast. Just went over a poll that I put on Twitter about what the Titans' last loss of the season should be or what you would want it to be. Some crazy answers there with New England, but either way, we chopped that up. Now, it is time to go into a mailbag segment. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't get to do a lot of mailbags during the season because of everything that's going on. So excited to dive into your guys' questions, and you gave me some excellent ones to get into. So let's go ahead and dive right in before we do want to thank you guys again for making the Locked On Titans podcast your first listen every day. So I'm just going to dive into all of these. Uh, My guy Felipe on Twitter, he said, Hey Tyler, I think we should really get some depth in the wide receiver room. Julio Jones is never healthy. AJ has a lot of ups and downs. What do you think of Golden Tate? Do you have any other ideas? So Felipe, number one, the Titans are going to solve the problem from within, like they've been doing. We talked about all this depth that the Titans had at wide receiver going into the year. So how could the Titans look for wide receiver help outside of the building? That doesn't make sense. If the Titans have great depth at the position, then they shouldn't need to. Now, they've lost Julio Jones for about a month. They've lost Cam Batson. From earlier in the year, we've seen some other injuries, but with A.J. Brown still out on the field, even though he's up and down, Marcus Johnson looking like he could be a solid addition, and then guys like Chester Rogers, Nick Westbrook, Akina, Des Fitzpatrick got some run, finally the fourth-round rookie pick, so you like to see that. Now, what I will say is, I was interested in Golden Tate in the offseason prior to getting Julio Jones. My interest level dropped once they got Julio, but I was still okay with that. With Josh Reynolds gone, Cam Batson out, Julio Jones on IR, I don't see why having a a steady veteran who's from the area like Golden Tate on the team would be a bad idea. But right now, I mean, they have Mason Kinsey still. They have Chester Rogers still. So needing a slot guy like Golden Tate just doesn't seem high on, on the need list. But I would be okay with that, Felipe. I've always been okay with having that veteran in. Next, Mike Inclon, he says, mind a big picture question as I love looking at it. Fine with that, Mike. He says, during the preseason, it was generally felt that this was a year to win it all. Do you reckon the championship window is a bit wider with the emergence of the defense? No, I don't because the the Titans Super Bowl window is dependent on the offense just as much as the defense. And Derrick Henry starting to break down already, a load-bearing injury with the Jones fracture. So I can't expect Derrick Henry to be healthy full 17, 18 weeks going forward. Ryan Tannehill's contract will be up after next year. Uh, Julio Jones can't stay healthy now. How's he going to stay healthy into the future? The Titans would need to find another explosive player on offense 
in the next all season for them to extend the window by another year. But no, I don't think that the championship window is ex- is extended. I think the championship is just more realistic now this year or next year. Uh, Garrett said, "How do you feel, people? Uh, how do you feel about people uh, hating on the Titans even after proving themselves after such a challenging year with the injuries and the schedule?" There's been a lot of media hate for the Titans. Keyshawn Johnson, like I mentioned, calling the Titans a fake 8-2 and two team. A lot of people just not respecting their accomplishments. And like I said, that's going to happen until the Titans win a Super Bowl and, and set themselves apart as a franchise who can get it done. And me personally, I don't, I don't really care. Like Kevin Byard said, it's not about proving them wrong. It's about proving ourselves right. None of that matters towards the Titans season. That's all stuff that we just, you know, you want to hear people talk good about your team. So none of that stuff actually matters to the football. So how do I feel? I feel like I don't really care. Um, Next question here. DNS. uh, Naron. I think your name is Naranjo Diego. Hopefully I did that right. But is Logan Woodside better than Trevor Simeon? I guess so because he is our backup. No. You guys saw Trevor Simeon out there. He wasn't awesome. But... He's a low-level starting quarterback, a high-level backup. Trevor Simeon is definitely a better football player than Logan Woodside. I mean, there's no question about it. So, Logan Woodside is cheaper, though, and that's what mattered to the Titans is having a cheap player. So, moving forward, Dale Big Sam. My guy, Dale Big Sam. Hope you're doing well, man. Appreciate you always sending in some questions. He said, do you think that Mark, the Marcus Johnson we saw Sunday will be the Marcus Johnson we get the rest of the season? Yes, as long as he's healthy. Marcus Johnson has always been a solid player. Now, Marcus Johnson isn't a game breaker. He's a good third, fourth wide receiver in your nucleus to play outside. But there's no reason. Marcus Johnson was being manned up by Marshawn Lattimore for a lot of the game. So if Marcus Johnson can get five catches, 100 yards on Marshawn Lattimore, then as long as he stays healthy, why can't Marcus Johnson keep doing it? And that's the biggest thing for Marcus Johnson throughout his career. It's been health. So got to keep that up. Uh, That Ginger, Ginger Mania 24 on Twitter said, what's going on with A.J. Brown? Well, for my money, I think he's still a little banged up. I was re-watching the game uh, earlier today multiple times, and every time that he went to the ground, he looked slow getting up. So it looks like maybe A.J.'s a little bit banged up, but teams are giving him a ton of attention right now too. That's why Julio Jones was so important. And without Julio out there, are teams really that worried about Marcus Johnson? Chester Rogers, Nick Westbrook-Akina? Who cares? We'll let those guys beat us, no problem. And the Titans shouldn't have beat the Saints if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot with the two missed extra points. So, AJ's getting a lot of attention. I also think that he's a little beat up as well. Uh, Peter Jones. Peter said... How do we get the run game going without the King? If not, can we be a pass team with the current roster? Do we need to rely on defense and special teams until Henry returns? The last thing you said there, rely on defense and special teams. A lot of the Titans' remaining games are against football teams that aren't that good. And they aren't as good as the Titans. And if the Titans can play complementary football and have good defensive performances and have their special teams help them out... That should be enough to help them win because the reality is the Titans aren't going to have explosive plays in the run game when Derrick Henry is gone. They're going to be able to get those two, three yards, have a nine-yard run, seven-yard run, 11-yard run here and there. They're going to be able to do that, but Derrick Henry's not going to take one 60 yards or 70 yards right now because he's gone. So 
That's the problem with the run game. The run game just needs to be efficient. Now, 2.3 yards per carry isn't going to get it done, but you guys got to keep keep this in mind. The Rams and the Saints are two of the best defenses in the NFL. So let's see how the run game looks against the Texans this weekend, and then we'll kind of see where they're at from that perspective. But how you get the run game going, you run plays that make sense for what you got in the backfield. And Adrian Peterson hasn't run a lot of outside zone, inside zone, things like that. He's more of a man-gap power runner from that sense with pools and traps. And the Titans have been incorporating more into that. And as for whether they can be a passing team with the current roster, maybe when they had Julio, but now that they they don't, they don't have enough threats in the passing game to really rely on that. So they're just going to have to keep chugging and make sure that the defense and the special teams helps them out until they can get Henry back for the playoffs. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, Here we go. A good question here from the most elite Titans fan I know, the Canadian Titan. And he says, what has been the biggest surprise this season in regards to the Titans? On the flip side, why is Tennessee Tickle Monsters the best possible name for our front four? Uh, My biggest surprise has been the secondary. They've had Greg Maben out there. They've had Chris Jackson out there. The rookie Elijah Molden out there really producing at cornerback for them. Breon Borders before getting cut and then put back on the practice squad. Had some good plays in a few games early in the season. Christian Fulton has been out. They lose Caleb Farley as well. And then at safety, Dane Crookshank being a man matchup for tight ends at six foot one, 210. What he's introduced into the Titans scheme and allowed them to play dime personnel with six defensive backs with Crookshank as a sub package linebacker. I think Dane Crookshank has been my overall biggest surprise of the year, what he's given to the Titans. I did not expect that. But the secondary playing so well for most of the season has been the biggest surprise to me. I'm not surprised by the pass rush. This is what I expected from the pass rush. They needed to improve. Now, they're a little bit better than, I guess, what I was expecting. But I expected improvement there because of the money and the resources put there. But the secondary being this much more improved, that's been quite the surprise. And a runner-up there is David Long at linebacker. His explosion as the Titans' best linebacker has been really fun to watch. As for the Tennessee Tennessee Tickle Monsters thing, so the joke, it's a joke. Tennessee Tickle Monsters is a joke, making fun of the fact that, you know, people always want to give nicknames to things, to defensive lines and defenses and things like that. It's a a joke. But when the joke is as dumb as, as as what it's making fun of, then you're not really gaining anything. It doesn't matter. Who cares? But when you look at the annals of history, you know, the monsters of the midway, the purple people leaders, the steel curtain. Do you really want Tennessee's history to be the Tennessee tickle monsters? It's just stupid. It's just dumb. And I I don't like the people who made it up so much that I'm just going to run with it because I'm loyal to them. I don't care. It's stupid. It's just stupid. There's no way around it. I'd rather them just be called Tennessee's front four. I mean, who cares? Tennessee Tickle Monsters is dumb, man. It's it's like when you see those movies from the 80s and everybody in the high school votes the ugly guy or the ugly girl as prom king or queen, you know, that trope in 80s movies. It's like that. It, it's just stupid. It, it There's no value there. I, I have no other words. It's just dumb. Anyways, we're going to continue answering weird. 
uh, me and my dog here. I am going to continue answering your mailbag questions in our next segment. Before we get into that, though, want to remind you Titans fans about an incredible app that everyone who buys gas has to know about called GetUpside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or on Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. That's one word, TOUCHDOWN. And you'll get a bonus. 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents a gallon cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump ever again. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use that promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who fill up a lot make up to two, $300 a month in cash back. And here's the thing, there's no catch. The cash back goes right to your GetUpside account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or to an e-gift card like for Amazon. Just download the free GetUpside app, use that promo code TOUCHDOWN, and get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN on the free GetUpside app. Titans fans, let's cap off this Twitter Tuesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast. I'm going to continue answering your questions In a mailbag segment, we had some fun with some very in-depth Tennessee Titans questions there in our first segment, but now I'm going to have a little bit of fun and answer some off-the-wall, off-the-beaten-path questions for you guys. But I want to thank you again for making the Locked On Titans podcast your first listen every day. As for your second listen, make sure that you check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, giving you all the best gambling advice that you could ever need. Make sure to check out the Locked On Bets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcast. But let's dive into some of these, like I said, off the beaten path questions. So number one from Scoochie Steve, he says, okay, Tyler, so you're having a few of us loyal podcast listeners over for a game on Sunday. Walk us through your ideal setup. What are you putting out for food, and is it homemade? What drinks are you serving? Or we're headed out, where are we going? What's the vibe? Okay, so I'm staying in. I'm having the house party, couches, recliners, big TVs, sound bar, all of that. But not just because I want to watch the game in style, but because of a little bit of fun before. everybody. So 1 o'clock is the start of the game. Everybody comes over at about 11.30. We're tossing cornhole in the backyard, passing football, throwing dice on my back patio, gambling some money, having some fun. Might throw a couple uh, bets out on spreads with some of the fellas. You know, just yuck it up and have a good time, drink a couple of beers. Then, talking about the food, I make a special chip dip that I call magic dip. I'm not going to tell you what's in it, but I will tell you the secret ingredient. Magic. So I'm having some magic chip dip that I make my personal recipe. I'm going to have that out. Also, I love nachos. So I'm going to have some pulled pork and a nacho station. Get yourself some of that. And then I make homemade air fried wings. I make the sauces fresh. I got a spicy garlic, a lemon pepper that I really like. Make some honey barbecue. Uh, All that stuff, absolutely delicious. I have an Asian zing style that I like to mix in with some soy sauce and some red chili flakes, some rice wine vinegar, things like that. Just really mix it up in there, some honey in there. Oh, let's go. So we're having pulled pork nachos. 
We're having chicken wings, and we're having some magic chip dip, some beer, some gambling before the game, all checking out two monster screens. I'll throw a third screen in there if somebody's got a game that they're really looking to check out other than the Titans and Red Zone. So that would be that would be the vibes, sir, of what I would be looking at. Drinks, for me, got to have some beers, but I'm a big gin guy. Uh, I like to have a, a, a gin and tonic. Uh, maybe a gin and Sprite, so I'd have gin on there, and you can never go wrong with a little bit of Jack Honey and some lemonade. So that would be on the menu as well. Great question there. I do appreciate that. Uh, The next question that I have here is going to come from Tyler Chandler, and he says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you miss Caruso? So if you guys don't know, I'm a big Lakers fan, and don't be calling me a bandwagon fan either. I've been a Lakers fan since 1997. Kobe Bryant's rookie season. There's no bandwagon, wagon, bandwagon. There's no bandwagon in my blood, okay? Uh, Alex Caruso was kind of a gritty, unsung hero, kind of like the Titans' tight ends this year. A guy who makes impact plays. He was great on defense, understood how to screen for LeBron, even as a guard. I, I miss Alex Caruso at 10 out of 10. And the fact that the Lakers didn't re-sign Caruso, although they could have, is despicable. The owner of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss, just got cheap and didn't want to pay extra luxury tax, and they let Caruso walk to the Bulls without even countering the offer. Just disrespectful when billionaire owners who have the second most valuable franchise in the NBA don't spend money when the team's in a championship window. Just gross. God, Tyler, why'd you have to get me on Caruso, man? I told you not to do that. Either way, moving forward. Um... This is a great question from Slappy. He says, let's go. Hey, let's go. I'd love to know how you actually watch football on Sundays. The ball is snap. What is the first thing that you're looking at as the play develops? The O-line, the quarterback, where do your eyes go? So, number one, I'm always sitting on my couch. I have my notebook in front of me. And Slappy, the process starts before the ball is snapped. I look at formation. What's the splits? Are they tight? Are they spread out? Where's the strong side? Where's the weak side? All... Also, I got a really good tip years ago, maybe a decade ago. It said, look for the open area of grass, and that's probably where the ball is going to go. So I always look for where's the open spot on the field. I look at the formation to see if it's spread or condensed, and I look at the personnel as well. Who is in there? Are the Titans in dime? Are they in nickel? Are they in base? What's the offense doing? You know, all those different things. Once the ball is snapped, For me, I try to peek at the offensive line real quick just to get an idea of what their goal was up front. But then, like everybody else, I go to the ball. I look at the quarterback, watch what he's doing. It's basically impossible on the TV copy to really know what's going on with the routes and the coverage. So I try not to focus too hard on that. If I can see something underneath in the TV copy that's zoomed in, then I'll hit on that. But I check formation. I check personnel. Then I check the offensive line. Then I go to the quarterback and go to the ball. So that's kind of how I do it. But to tell you the truth, Slappy, and to be full front and honest with you guys, I'm still trying to learn. I, I still have a ton to learn. There are people that know millions times more about football than I do. And, and I still, that's one of the questions that I ask people when I talk to people who I really respect their football opinion and know that they've lapped me. I always ask them, what is your process for watching plays. What's the first thing you run for? So that's a great question, Slappy, but that's my answer for my my high school diploma uh, football knowledge, I guess. Varney Vale, this question was awesome. 
If you were a GM for a new franchise, what would your strategy to building a dynasty be? GM mode also, pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? Your answer to the second question will dictate if I continue listening to the pod. Ha <laughs> just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> I love that. Also, Varney, I like your new profile picture, man. Sweet logo. Um, for me, I am looking for a stud quarterback because that, that raises everything around you. And then after that, I'm building in the trenches. I want a good offensive line. I want a good defensive line. That's always going to be my key when building a football team. You need to find the quarterback, but until you do, build the O-line, build the D-line, build out from there. Everything will be okay. That's my general philosophy. And pineapple on pizza is a yay, but it just depends on the toppings. Anything can be on a pizza. Everything belongs on a pizza. That's the best part about pizza. You can do anything. I love a barbecued pulled pork pizza. My favorite pizza in the world is a chicken, bacon, Gouda cheese, red onion, green onion, chipotle crema called the chicken gouda on thin crust. That's my favorite pizza ever. So for pineapple on pizza, I actually had a, a Cuban pork pizza just last week that had pineapple on it with jalapenos and pulled pork and some cheeses and some onion. I mean, it was delicious. So for me, if you got bacon, jalapeno, onion, pineapple, Beautiful. So as long as I got bacon with my pineapple, pineapple does in fact go on pizza. This is a really great question as well. I really like some of these off the beaten path questions that you guys asked. From Caleb Dyson, he says, favorite and least favorite big name sports media personalities, like the one that you will listen to on any subject and then the one that makes you want to punch a wall every time they open their mouth. Okay, so I'm going to do this quickly. The people I don't like, and it's usually former players that I don't like because I feel their analysis is the least in-depth. They don't do the homework because they feel like they're qualified enough as is, and that's not the truth. Marcellus Wiley for football, that dude says nonsense. Keyshawn Johnson as well. I do like Keyshawn sometimes, but his take about the Titans not being a real 8-2 and, eight and two team, nonsense. Scottie Pippen is the worst, man. He is awful. And Shaq and Chris Webber on TNT for basketball – Shaq is the worst. Shaq is literally my least favorite media personality that covers anything. He does a horrible job. He's open about the fact that he's misinformed and uninformed. He doesn't even try to do the homework. I can't stand stuff like that. Uh, and, of course, for me, it was always guys who had more talent than me but didn't work as hard as I did. And a lot of the time, they still get the opportunities because of the talent. So I'll always, I guess, for better or for worse, have my biases there. Guys who I like, I grew up on Colin Cowherd and Bill Simmons. Th those were guys who I really, really liked. And they both say their fair share of dumb stuff, but they're incredibly entertaining. They're provocative. Their thoughts, even if you disagree with them, they're well thought out, which is something that I go through a lot. You can hate my opinions, but you cannot accuse me of not thinking deeply about what I'm saying. It's not just some run in the mill, I decided to say this. I thought about it first. So I always appreciated that. I think Nate Burleson and Kyle Brandt, both good morning football guys. Well, Nate Burleson's kind of moved on, but I think they both do great jobs actually knowing what they're talking about while being entertaining as well. Um, former players who I do really like, Kendrick Perkins, uh, Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky. I think they do great work, even if they hate on the Titans sometimes, whatever. Perk called the Titans to win the Super Bowl, so I love him. Ryan Clark and Orlovsky, they could say some crazy stuff here and there, but they do in-depth football breakdowns on ESPN. I, I got to support that kind of content. 
Also, I can't lie to you guys. My talking heads. I love Stephen A. Smith. He's the GOAT, man. He's the GOAT. Nick Wright. I hated Nick Wright. My answer, if you asked me two years ago for who I want to punch anytime I see him, it'd be Nick Wrong. I mean Nick Wright. <laughs> I say that tongue-in-cheek. Uh, but I like Nick Wright now after watching him for a few years, understanding his vibe, hearing him on some interviews. And then Shannon. I just love how authentic Shannon Sharp is. He doesn't hide his personality at all. He doesn't water himself down at all. He is authentically him, and I find that fantastic. What I will say is, guys, I'm always going to have a bias a positive bias towards media. I don't care if Stephen A. Smith is wrong every time. I don't care if Nick Wright is wrong every time. Colin Cowherd, Bill Simmons. What you guys got to realize is, and I say this all the time to people when they try to gotcha on me for being wrong about something. The job is not to be right every single time. You have to have an idea of what you're talking about. You have to be informed and intelligent. And if you're not, the listeners will sniff that out right away. But it's more important to be entertaining. You guys watch my show. I'm sure you like to get information. You like to learn a little bit if I can teach you anything. But for the most part, it's just entertainment. I'm just here to entertain you guys, brighten your day, give you some content, get you through the morning commute, get you through your little lunch break. This is entertainment, folks. So nobody's going to, if you talk over and over again for hours every day or 30 minutes every day, you're going to be wrong a lot. A lot. It's not about being right or wrong all the time. It's about being entertaining, being engaging, being authentic, being yourself, having some sort of relatability to your audience as well. So that's my long-winded answer uh, for that. But I really like the question, first and foremost. That's that's a great question overall. Uh, another question here comes from... My guy, Jimmy, on Twitter, he says, on average, how many hours do you spend making an episode? I'm sure it's a lot of hours you spend along with your day job. So if you guys don't know, I work a day job. I work a nine to five, eight to five, whatever. And hopefully I won't forever, but right now I do. And uh, it's a job that I do a little bit of work when I'm not at work too. I'm salary. I, I, I'm technically on the clock all the time. I have to do some stuff on Saturday, Sundays, here and there, every now and then for what I do. But I also spend just as much time on the podcast. I mean, I'm not doing this to give myself a pat on the back, and you guys could go ahead and bounce out. This is one of the longest episodes I've done in a long time. But, guys, I spent so much time on the podcast, thinking about the Titans, engaging on Twitter, promoting on Twitter and Facebook, recording the show every night takes me about an hour and a half to two hours if you include recording, um, graphic design for the thumbnails, uh, editing the video, adding in transitions, adding in audio, adding in music, different production elements, uploading the shows to the various platforms that I have to upload to. It takes about two hours out of my night every night, uh, but I don't mind that. You know, at the end of the day, it's a labor of love. I do get paid, and... Um, you know, I appreciate all of it all the time. I'm grateful. So I don't want to seem like I'm not, but I spend about 10 to 12 hours every week watching film. Uh, I spend about another 10 hours doing film cut-ups. I spend about two to three hours writing the weekly film study article. Um, and that doesn't even count all the mental hours that I'm just constantly thinking about the Titans, constantly tweeting. Um, yeah, I, I can't even give you like a uh, an actual rounded total. Just know that, Every single hour of my life 
essentially I think about the show while I'm working. I just multitask everything. So, um, you know, I would say probably, I guess if I had to, probably 30 to 40 hours a week, I'm doing Titan stuff along with the 50 hours, 55 hours that I do my regular job. So um, I don't sleep a lot, but I can sleep when I'm dead. I'll cover the Titans for now. I'm blessed to do this. And thank you all for listening. It's been a really long episode. If you stayed through to the end, thank you so much. You guys drove the show today. I appreciate you all. That's going to do it for me today. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked on Titans. <laughs>